Good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you. Um, Love being here with you. I want to ask you to raise your hand if... um, Raise your hand if you have someone in your life right now who's driving you crazy. Keep your hand raised if you're sitting next to that person right now. Um, that's how, now, you shouldn't be raising your hand on the second question there, right? You, shouldn't, you should actually be putting it down and acting like everything's good. But that's part of the issue that I want to talk about today because things do get messy. Now, I want to I say uh, with my wife in this service that... Um, I'm a man in process uh, working through messy relationships. And some of the best relationships that we have are messy, right? So everything we're going to talk about today definitely applies to your family. It definitely applies to people at work. It definitely applies to people in your neighborhood. And it definitely applies to the church. Because if there's uh, the number one uh, metaphor that God uses when he's describing the church is he always uses familial terms. It's interesting. You and I, because of Christ, are brothers and sisters, right? Because of what Jesus did for us, we now have a bloodline that Jesus made us a part of because of our receiving of Christ. And now we're in a family, right? Not just a regular blood family, but the blood of Jesus family. And God calls that in the New Testament, the church. And that's who we are. And guess what? Oh my goodness, the church, hello, is full of messy relationships. I mean, if it's not, then you just don't know anybody yet. (laughs) And there is a whole group of people in current evangelicalism, whichever way the wind blows to the new coolest church, they just kind of rotate through it. But you know what? That'll come and go and there'll be another new one, another cool one, another different, you know, this has got a great preacher, this has got a great worship band, this has got a great facility. It's just this kind of cycle. And what happens? We live in, in immaturity forever because maturity happens when iron sharpens iron, right? And we learn from Jesus through each other. And so what happens in the classic situation of dysfunction is we go to a church, we like it because it's shiny and new, and then we get to know people, we don't like it anymore. And so we go to the next church and we like that church for a year, and we don't like them anymore. And then we go to another church, we don't like them for a year because they, and what happens is we spend our whole life looking for a perfect place and there is no such thing. There's just broken people who have found Jesus who are in the process of being healed, trying to love God and love each other. I said trying, not even always making it. But owning it when we don't. And that's exactly why, if if that sounds familiar to you, then I just want to say thanks for hanging in there. Did you hear what I said? Thanks for hanging in there. When I see somebody married for 50 years, I think to myself, man, that is something education could not have done for you. That is not something money could have done for you. There's something in you that is greater than yourself that allowed you to do that, and I just want to respect that. When I see somebody get in a church and they stay in a church come hell or high water, they hang in there and not run off the first thing that somebody has. You've done something great because God is actually in you to make that happen. So that's what I want to talk about today. How can we continue to learn to clean up messy relationships? You told me you have messy relationships. And I hope that you understand there's a direct correlation between your best, think about your best relationships. Your best relationships. Aren't they messy? I mean, they really are messy, aren't they? Your best relationships are always messy. And here's the great news. If you read the Bible, you see nothing but messy relationships, Genesis through Revelation. I encouraged my kids one time when they were in junior high to read the book of Genesis, and I should have never have done that because there is so much craziness in the book of Genesis relationally-wise, right? You remember Lot's situation? Oh, try to answer your questions from your 13-year-old daughter about Lot and his daughters. Not a pretty question. I was like, what am I doing here, right? I mean, there's all these crazy things that go on in the Bible, but I think what we need to see is those stories all emphasize the brokenness of humanity and God's the hero. He is the one that saves us. So all that to say, here's what I want to say. We act like in church 
sometimes the way we treat each other as if God hasn't spoken to our situation. And friends, he couldn't have spoken to us more clear. He couldn't have spoken to us in clearer terms. There's over 40 one another verses. You know what one another verses are? Love one another, pray for each other, encourage one another. My favorite, bear with one another. Right? These are all in the Bible. And that's how we clean up messy relationships. So we're going to use an acrostic along the lines of C-L-E-N-U-P. Clean up. Clean up messy relationships. And so what I thought, since I have such a Uh, such a a good group of students here. I wondered if I could just borrow them for a moment. I brought with me my relationship cleaning supplies. And uh, these may not be your relationship cleaning supplies, but I want to start here. We're going to start with the C, and I got to find, got to get this out of here for a moment. Here you go. All right. This is, you see this? It's a, it's a phone. Remember when they were that big? All right, here we go. Put, put this up, go like this, and we all say, communicate. The C stands for communicate. Put it down. Now put it up. Communicate. Say it with, put it down. Put it up. Communicate. Excellent. Communicate. Ephesians 4.15. If you're taking track of this, if you're going to keep notes, the C stands for communicate. In Ephesians 4.15, we read these beautiful verses. Ready? It says, speak the truth in love and you will grow up in all aspects in Christ. Let me say it again. Speak the truth in love. Some of us are really great at speaking. (laughs) We need to shut up a little bit, all right? And some of us are really great at speaking the truth. Man, you can bloody people, boom. But very few of us are great at speaking the truth in love. It's such a weird tension to live in, speaking the truth in love. And that's exactly what we need to do because the moment things get messy in a relationship, you know what we're all tempted to do? We're all tempted to shut up. We get mad, well, fine, I'm just not going to deal with you. And we just, we don't communicate. You might find this hard to believe. We're approaching 30 years of marriage. And I'd say at least 20 of those have been happy. <laughs> Stay with me. She's right over there. You can ask her. I think all of them have been good. I bet 15 have been good for her, but I've been, all 30 have been great for me. And uh, as we approach as we approach this, seriously, um, and I, I remember thinking back on my first year of marriage. Let me tell you how naive I was. I'd come home, and uh, we had a, by the way, we had a, compared to other stories I've heard, we've had a great first year of marriage. But I come home one day, and there's a little pillow and a blanket on the couch. And my first thought was, who's sleeping over tonight? So I asked my wife, who's that? Nobody. And then it dawned on me. Oh, I'm sleeping on the couch tonight. So I said to my wife, what's wrong? And she said, nothing. Now let me tell you how foolish I was as a young man. I thought nothing meant nothing. How dumb am I, right? And so, but it took me a few years to figure out, this is what I fear more than anything. If I say to her today, is anything wrong? Nothing. That means what? everything is wrong, right? So my wife, then we even got in a fight about this, right? I'm like, how come you say nothing and it means everything? And she says, well, you guys should know. You're a man, you should know. I'm like, you just explained why I don't know. (laughs) Because I'm a man. I said to her, you give guys, you give men way too much credit. We are clueless. Tell us what to do. I just need to know what I did wrong and we can make this right, right? My heart's in the right place. But what happens is I realize some people, the thing that makes a, a, a bad situation worse in a relationship is not communicating. Isn't that what we do? Fine, just be that way. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. I'm just going to leave you in la-la land. You can just figure out what's wrong. Maybe you won't even do it. So if you're really going to clean up messy relationships, you can't shut down. You shut down, it makes it worse, right? You got to communicate. You know, how about these words? In the King James Bible, you can read these words 413 times. Thus saith the Lord. We have a Bible today because God loves us. And what did he do? He communicates with us. So one of the primary ways God communicates is through his word. And so what's that say about God? He wants this relationship to be functional. It's going to be messy. I don't know how your relationship with God is, but mine is messy. It's just like my one with all people, right? So there's a lot of I'm sorry's. There's a lot of working through here. But the key, the first thing is to communicate, to speak the truth 
in love. You got the C? The C stands for? All right, let me see if I can find something else in here to help us clean up messy relationships. Oh, yeah. I remember when headphones were a thing, don't you? And then they came back, and then they went away. Okay, and then they're back right now. So this is for, hold it up. The L stands for listening. Okay, put it down. The L stands for, put it up. Listen. Now, you're going to have to pay attention because I see that phone going there right there. All right? It's probably a Bible, right? It's, it's good. Excellent. Oh, very good. But if you start texting or something, I'm going to have to come back over here. All right. Very good. You're going to have to ironically listen. Here we go. Ready? The C stands for? The L stands for? Thank you so much. Listening. James 1.19. You know what James 1.19 says? James 1.19 says, look, let every man be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. I don't know about you, but I do that reverse. I get angry, I say too much, and then what? I never listen. <laughs> but this is important, right? Let every man be quick to hear. Do this first. Slow to speak, slow to anger, right? Somebody said, God gave you two ears and one mouth. What would have happened if you had done it the other way around? You talk about messy relationships, it'd been horrible, right? Just horrible. So God says in his word, he says, let every man be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. We don't listen very well. My, my goal this year, and I've been working on this for a number of years, but this year, my goal this year is to become a better listener without interrupting, right? Without interrupting. I just want to hear everything. And there's a difference between hearing and listening, isn't there? There's a difference. You can hear what people are saying, but you're not really listening. You know why? Because you're thinking about what what I'm saying, and it's not fast enough, but you're thinking about what you're going to say, right? And you're also thinking about that potluck. I know that too, right? You're also thinking about all the things that are going to happen after church, right? So you're thinking about all this stuff, but you, and so you guys sit there and look at me like, mm-hmm, 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 and you're still thinking, I wonder what we're going to do tonight for supper. I mean, you do all that, right? This is how we roll. So all that to say, we're not really good at listening. I know I'm not. I got some way improvements to do. But it's my goal to become a better listener because if you listen, it cleans up messy relationships. It helps. And another reason is because we're about ourselves. Let's, can I have a moment of honesty here? Um, how many of you have a friend that, like we taught our kids, when you're, it's like dribbling a basketball, and you just, hand, how are you today? And they take the ball and they go, I'm doing fine. You know, I got this, this, and this. And then they, what do they do? They pass, how are you? They go back and forth. We told our kids, that's the way you're supposed to converse with people. How many of you have a friend when you throw them the bat? How are you doing? You throw them the basketball and they go, me, 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 right? We all have that, right? Now listen to me. Are you attracted to that friend? Do you like that friend? Do you go, you see him at Kroger's? What do you do? You go the opposite direction. You know you do. Don't act like you don't, right? But what, what about, how many of you have a friend who like not just hears you, but listens to you. How, raise your hand. How many of you have a friend, they have somebody like that? Oh my goodness, what a gift. Now you see that friend in Kroger's, what do you do? He or she runs away from us because we love them so, right? I mean, we're like, come back here, we love you. You're awesome because you listen to me. It's the greatest, one of the greatest gifts you could ever give somebody is to listen to them. But so many times we're about ourselves and we don't like to listen to other people. Zsa Zsa Gabor was having this you can Google them right now, you guys. You can Google Zsa Zsa Gabor. The rest of us might know who, who she is, was. Now listen now. She loved to talk about her success, her beauty, all their popularity. And as she was talking to someone, she began to notice that uh, the other person was beginning to lose interest because it was all Zsa Zsa. Finally, she said, ah, but darling, we must talk about you for a while. How do you like my dress? <laughs> she still made it about herself, right? It isn't that what we do. We still make it about ourselves. So people, listen to this, people listen to people who listen. I want you to say that with me. People listen to people who listen. This is why God tells us. We find Jesus in Luke 2.42. This is so fascinating to me. As a young boy in the temple, and you know what he was doing? He was listening to the teachers and asking questions. What a charming young man. Listening and asking questions. They loved him for it too. It's amazing how much in a church situation, just some good listening can solve some of the issues. I was asked to, I get to work with churches across the country, so this, it's uh, what I do. And part of it is being able to come in from the outside and help. 
I had a pastor friend in a little Baptist church out in the middle of nowhere that was there for years, and I just loved him, and I loved the church. I have a long history with him, and uh, he just said, I had lunch with him one day, and he said, yeah, we're really struggling. I need you to come and do a leadership uh, training at, for our church. I said, I'd love to do that, but what's going on? He goes, well, you're not going to be able to finish the leadership uh, training because there's t- we're having a fight over um, some bylaw type stuff. It was pretty minor stuff, but you know how minor things become these really ugly things? You're acting like, well, no, of course not. We're Baptist. Uh, okay, no, it, that's just part of all of our issues, right? Little things become, this is how things get messy. And he said, what I need you to do is come in and just mediate for us. But I can't call you in as a mediator. I can bring you in for training. And then the fight will happen about halfway through your training. And then you'll see the two sides. And this is what he told me. You'll see the two sides. And then I just want you to mediate. I said, how much will you pay me? No, I didn't say that. I said, um, I said, uh, are you going to stay at this church? He goes, I'd, I'd like to stay here as long as I can. I'm not, I don't have any plans to leave. I said, okay, let's plan the, leader, let's plan the leadership training. And uh, so we got it on the schedule. Saturday morning arrived. I went out there. Love these people. And uh, I started teaching. And just like he said, about halfway through, uh, somebody over this side started poking over here and somebody at the side poked back and I was just like, here it goes, just like he said. And finally, I just said to the, to the group, listen, I'm willing to forego all this stuff, but here's what I need to know. Uh, are you willing to listen to each other? Because I just hear a lot of chit-chat talking back and forth and you know, accusatory statements. And so I looked at, the, there's, always a, there's always a person on that side and there's always a leader on that side, right? So I just say, hey, we can do this, but let's I'll be glad to mediate this, but you got to listen, and you, you need, they need to listen. So will you do it? Yes. So then I said, man, these guys are Baptists. We better feed these people. So, so I said, let's pause right now, and let's all get more coffee and all get more donuts and stuff like that. Because you know, you know what makes relationships worse? Being hangry. My kids taught me this word. Hangry. It's hungry and angry together. And, you know, my kids have noticed, Dad, you're not very angry when you're full, but when you're, when you're empty stomach, you're hangry. You always come in here, guns a-blazing, all right? Very good. Well, good point. Maybe my belly is my God, and I need to grow in that. So I said to the Baptist people, let's go ahead and, and uh, eat, and then we'll, right after eat, we got them back together. They were all full. Good. And then so I said, okay, you guys got to say something, and here's how we're going to do this. I promise I'll give you people a chance to say whatever you want to say, but you got to listen first to this group. And then when you listen first to this group, I'm going to ask them if there's anything else they want to say, and then you're going to say everything you want to say. There will be no interrupting. I will shut this baby down. Well, they can't fire me, right? <laughs> and that's why they needed me. So I said, okay, let's do it. So they, they, they said, the guy stands up about three minutes into it. They start, oh, they're rolling their eyes over here. They can't wait to talk. Finally, one guy just interrupts them. I go, hey, stop it. We're not going to do this. You said you would listen. Now you want to talk. You're going to listen or you're going to talk? Because if you're going to talk, it's over. Yes, sir. Okay, yes, we'll do it. We'll make sure we do that. Uh, but that's start from the beginning. The guy starts from the beginning. He only speaks three to five minutes. He explains his position on the issue. And over here, I said, okay, anything else you want to say? All right, now, you guys got to do the same thing. You got to listen to what they're going to say. So I point to the person. I said, you can go now. The person stands up and says, wait a minute. I heard something I'd never heard before. I'd like to ask them about it. I go, okay, ask them. Hey, when you mean you, you were talking about this, this, and this, you really mean that and this other thing, right? No, we really mean this. You've got to be kidding me. No, I'm serious. This is what we were trying to tell you the whole time. Well, then we don't have anything to say. <laughs> whole thing took seven minutes. The church split was averted. The next Sunday they preached. The uh, next Sunday they, um, they did the vote, and it was a 98% pass. Why? Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger cleans up messy relationships. C stands for? The L stands for? Thank you so much. And the E, E, where is that E? The E stands for? The E stands for equanimity. Say it with me. Equanimity. Equanimity is evenness of mind under stress. So like here's a complete balance, right? But isn't, isn't uh, you know, don't people how they drive make you angry? They take e- evenness of mind under stress. Don't you lose your evenness of mind under stress? The idea is to stay composed under stress so that you don't make a bad situation worse, right? So there's all these things that want to, so we'll hold this up and say equanimity. Your, your turn here, all right? Hold it up. 
equanimity, right? So the C stands for? The L stands for? The E stands for? Equanimity. Evenness of mind under stress. Proverbs 15.1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So somebody's getting all angry at you, the worst thing you can do is get angry back. Whoever said fight fire with fire has never fought a fire. Because you fight fire with what? Water. The exact opposite. You get two flamethrowers out there, you're going to burn the place down. And some of us, there's a, listen, there's a certain amount of fun in a relationship to get the flamethrowers out. And another thing that I've been saving up since 30 years ago. Right? And I'm not saying there's not kind of a fun to that, but I'm just saying there's hardly anything left to rebuild. So we got to be careful. What you want to do when you see a fire is throw some water on it. Like it says, look, a gentle answer, Proverbs 51, a gentle answer turns away wrath. Somebody getting gentle answer. A harsh word, man, you throw fire on fire. Somebody's giving you a harsh word, you give them one back. Oh, baby, you are in for a little run of your money. This is what's going to happen. It's going to make things messy. There was a sailor who um, always wanted to meet a pirate. Worked forever on the seas, never met a pirate. One day he was at a dock and he heard clip-clop, clip-clop, clip-clop. And that, my friends, I don't know if you know this or not, is the sound of a pirate because a real pirate has a peg leg, a hook hand, and a patch over his eye. The sailor looked up. He said, could I be so fortunate today to really meet? A pirate. He looked down and there he was. Peg leg, hook hand, patch over his eye. Sailor enthusiastically ran up to him and said, always wanted to meet a pirate. You look like the real deal. Can I ask you some questions? The pirate said, Arr, go ahead, matey. How did you get the peg leg? He said, we were way out in the middle of the ocean. A great big storm came upon us and threw me overboard. They began to pull me up. And as they pulled me up, a shark bit me leg off. And the sailor said, man, that's crazy. How'd you get the hook for the hand? He said, one night we came upon a ship and we jumped onto the ship and we were going to steal its treasures. All of a sudden, a sword fight ensued. And in that sword fight, they cut me hand off. Blimey, said the sailor, how'd you, how'd you lose the eye? He said, Arr, a seagull dropping fell into my eye. And puzzled, the sailor said, a seagull dropping took your eye out? He said, Arr, it was me first day with the hook. <laughs> Some of you might get that later. But there's a point to the story. And the story is, much of the messiness in our lives, in our relationships, is really only temporary if we deal with it properly. But you can take a temporary situation, you know, a, a seagull dropping in your eye is a problem, but it's only a temporary problem. If you don't respond properly and you s respond poorly, you take a temporary situation and you make it a what? A permanent situation. That's why we need equanimity. That's why we need evenness of mind under stress. All right. The C stands for? The L stands for? The E stands for? The A stands for? Hold that up nice and high. Amnesia. Say it. Amnesia. Put it up in there. Go ahead. Hold it up. Amnesia. We're all going to need a good deal of selective amnesia. You got a room like this, I guarantee you there are people in this room who have been hurt. It was none of your fault. It might have been when you were young. It might have been when you were old. It's none of your fault. Some jerk, some evil person, they exist, are out there, and maybe in your family or neighborhood or whatever it is, they've done something to you, and you have been hurt so bad, and it's that pain in your soul that you don't think will ever go away. I guarantee you, we all have something like that, but there's some of us here who actually didn't bring it on ourselves on this particular occasion. We tend to. And you got a choice. You, have, you really have a choice. You can be bitter and unforgiving, 
pause. Some of the most bitter, this is so sad, some of the most bitter and unforgiving people I've ever met are faithful church attenders. And they're poisonous, they're toxic. They've, they've, for somewhere in their journey with Jesus, they thought that being a follower of Christ allowed for bitterness and unforgiveness. And that spirit, man, when you have a bitter spirit and an unforgiving spirit, you're the one who's really suffering. This is hard, isn't it? Because we all, I'm thinking of someone right now. This is challenging. So the first thing I want to say to you is if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, there is no place, zero, for unforgiveness and bitterness. Bitterness and unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the person who hurt you to die. You're killing yourself. You're killing your spirit. You say, Bill, I can't. I could never forgive that person. Right. I agree. You could never do that. That's why you need Jesus. Well, what's he got to do with it? Ephesians 4, 32. Are you ready? Ephesians 4, 32. Here's the general disposition we should have toward each other and why you need amnesia. Ephesians 4, 32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other. You're like, that. I can't do it, it's too hard. Because Jesus, what? Forgave you. Just as Jesus forgives you, you forgive others. Guess, guess who should be bitter about you and me, Jesus? He should be, but he's not. In fact, he actually takes our sin pays for it on the cross and then never mentions it to us again, doesn't he? He never mentions it to us. It's gone. And yet we want to hold somebody's sin against them. You say, I can't do it. You can't do it by yourself, but you can do it if you think about how much Jesus had to do for you and you receive that grace. And if you receive that grace, you know what you're supposed to do with grace that you receive? You have to pass it on to other people. Well, they don't deserve it. They never said, I'm sorry. So... What's the, they nailed Jesus to the cross. What's he say? Forgive them, Father, for they don't know what they're... He's given them mercy. And th- you know what? I like being forgiven from God. Don't you? I like my sins forgiven. So I'm going to receive that grace, and by God's power in my life, in obedience to the Scriptures, I'm going to pass that on. Let me tell you a true story. I came to the area to teach in Tremont High School. That was many years ago now. And um, I was a ninth grade English teacher, and it was a ninth grade English kid that taught me um, about forgiveness. Now, little background. I didn't do that well in high school. <laughs> it's, it's God's sense of humor that I was a high school teacher. Uh, I flunked both English and history, both of which I'm now certified by the state of Illinois to teach. And that's what God can do in your life if he, if he ever gets a hold of you, all right? I mean, that's what happens. So I didn't go into teaching because I liked A students. I love A students, but they're easy. Those guys are easy. I liked the kids who didn't like school because I didn't like school. So I always put those kids as close to me as possible because I knew one of the reasons I got in trouble was because I was just too busy looking at everything, right? Everything was fascinating to me, right? And I just was always, I couldn't listen to what people were saying, right? And so making sure there was nothing between me and them. So I had this kid named Andy I put right in front. Loved him like crazy. But he was flunking my class. But he was flunking because he didn't hand anything in. You know, you can recover from an F, but you can't recover from a bunch of zeros. You got to try. So I said, listen, generally everybody passes my class if you try. Because I give you a D minus for trying, right? But if you're going to do nothing, forget it. I can't help you. So Andy about eight zeros in a row, right? So he's flunking my class, and I tried to encourage him, and nobody at home, that kind of thing. But my heart went out to him, and I liked him. So one day I did this teacher thing. I gave the kids a reading assignment, told them to write a paragraph, one stinking paragraph, four sentences, in response to the story. They came to school that day. I got in my class. I collected those paragraphs. I gave them another story to 
read. And while they were reading the story, I went back to my desk, graded the papers, put them in my grade book, came back out before they were done, handed back their papers with their grades. Then I realized I have half the class left to actually teach, so I started teaching. Andy right here. Andy says, hey, Mr. Allison. I go, yes, Andy, because I started to teach. He goes, you didn't give me my paper back. And I said, oh, Andy, I would have loved to have given you a paper back, but you didn't hand one in. I began to teach again. He says, no, Mr. Allison, seriously, I handed a paper in, and I, you know, you'd lo- you'd lo- must have lost it or something. And I'm like, Andy, seriously, I would have loved to have given your paper back. Not going to do it. So I start teaching, and he stands up. He slow slams his book down in front of the crest. He, he, just, he starts. He screams at me. He says, "I handed my paper in, and you lost it." Now wait. If you if you want to flunk my class, that's your American prerogative. Um, I, nobody can stop you from flunking my class. You're going to blame me. That's a problem. So I walked over. And I did a little thing, teacher technique called proximity. Wasn't going to touch him, but I wanted to get in his bubble. And I, because he was standing up, and I just got right in his face, and I said, Andy, and I didn't say this, but he had made me angry because of that, which is part of my issue, right? Now I'm going to make a bad situation worse, watch. I said, Andy, sit down and shut your face, only I screamed it at the top of my lungs. And boy, those students were like, whoa, we, uh, Mr. Allison's on the war path, man. We've never seen him like this. And you know what? That stuff actually works if you never do that. Uh, so they were like, whoa, man, that's, that's big. And finally, I just said, okay, I've lost, con- I've lost control of me which is not a good idea. So I said to everybody, hey, you guys, just all go back to reading your story. I'll be back in a few minutes. I went back to my desk, take a couple deep breaths, pray, God help me. I was an idiot right there, whatever. So I'm like, okay. So I'm like, I mean, I gotta get going. I pick up my books. I'm gonna go back up and teach. I pick up my book and underneath my book, there's Andy's paper. Can I be real with you today? <laughs> I weighed all of my options. I was like, I could throw this away and pretend it wasn't here. You know what the problem with being a Christian, even in a public school, is the Spirit of God just taps on your heart. Like, you've got to stop that nonsense, Allison. You know better than this. And then I'm like, okay, here's what I'll do. Because this is what I would do once in a while. I'd tell Andy I'm going to keep him after class because he was being bad, right? He was challenging me. And uh, so I just said, okay. And then I'll just give him the good news. And I don't know how the Holy Spirit talks to you, but this is what I heard that day. Allison, you stood in front of that class, you opened your big fat trap, you stuck your foot so far in, there's only one thing you can do. Get in front of that class, open up your big fat trap, and pull out your big fat feet, right? Because that's what I had stuck in there. So I take his paper. He had really tried. I take my paper up there. They don't even want to look at me. These kids are scared now because I was yelling. I go, hey, Andy. I was real gentle. I go, hey, Andy. He goes, what? He still wants to punch me. And rightly so. I go, I found your paper. And there was a collective inhale from 30 students that sounded like this. (gasps) They could not believe I was doing this. They were like all eyes. They were like, you got to be kidding me. And he went from a snarl to like, you idiot, I told you. And I said, You could have heard a pin drop. I said, you're right. I'm wrong. I looked him right in the face and I said, will you forgive me? He was, and I said, will you forgive me? He went, no sweat, Mr. A. I never, let me say it this way. Let's just tell you that I had that student for several more semesters of freshman English. (laughs) And never once did that kid ever tell me, hey, Mr. Allison, remember the time when you were such a knucklehead? You lost a paper. What kind of teacher loses papers? You know, remember when you were an idiot? Never once. That kid forgave me, and we became fast friends. We even, you know how this works. Sometimes you become better friends because you had a moment of humanity. You had a moment of amnesia. You forgave. Selective amnesia. So that's huge, right? That's huge. All right. How you doing on that one? Some of you, you need to forgive. You're going to have to have Jesus to help you to do that. All right. C stands for? The L stands for? The E stands for? The 
A stands for? And the N stands for? Naps. Hold up the, hold up the pillow. Naps. Say it with me one more time. Hold it up. Naps. All right, naps. Why? Because listen, sometimes it's, you're not just hangry, you're tired, right? Have you ever been in a situation where like a small thing became a, a big thing? True story. I hope my wife doesn't mind me telling this. I read that Bible verse as a young man about don't let the sun go down on your anger. So if my wife and I were always hitting on all cylinders, I would say to her, Listen, we got to work this out. I don't want the sun to go down on her. I'm committed to Jesus. I'm committed to you. Let's work this out. And she's like, can we talk about it in the morning? I'm so tired. Do we really have to have this big... And I'm like, yes, we do. The Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says, right? And uh, I found that it would get worse. The, the longer we were up, the worse it was, the worse it became. And one day it dawned on me, let her sleep. And the next morning, sometimes she doesn't even remember you know what? We got so many kids, she doesn't have time to remember, right? That's my strategy, right? But other times when she does, and I, and I sleep, we see it from a different perspective. You know what God had built into the rhythm of our lives is sleep. You have to do it every day. That's why it gets dark. Your body actually sends these chemicals like, hey, it's time. Isn't that why you hate uh, daylight savings time? I hate that. Four o'clock, I'm like, I'm going to die right now because it's dark out, right? Hate it when it's like that. But your body kind of just, it's the way God made you to respond so you could sleep. Exodus 20, verse 8, you know, the Lord made the Sabbath. Keep it holy. It's a day of rest. It's a day of time with the Lord. And it's a time when you're supposed to recharge spiritually, emotionally, relationally, and physically. And you see this in the story of Elijah and Jezebel. You know what happened before Elijah and Jezebel? Elijah and the 450 prophets of Baal. And they had this showdown about who's really God. Elijah wins because he's got God. The false prophets and all their religion, nothing happened. And when God strikes that offering of Elijah's and wins the battle between false gods and true God, Elijah then kills 450 prophets of Baal. Think about how physically challenging that would be. But he does. That's what the Bible says. And then immediately after that, Jezebel hears that her 450 prophets of her false religion has been killed by Elijah. And she says, Elijah, I'm coming to get you. Now this guy who faced 450 men who probably didn't want to die and killed them now hears from a woman who's angry and he runs for his life. I think we should close the service now. <laughs> because I think it's a powerful biblical point myself. What's worse than an angry woman? Not 400 men, right? And he runs. But you know what? Why did he run? How come he believed God could use him to conquer? And then when this woman, what happened to him? I'm going to argue today that the man was tired. Why? Once he runs away, he runs to a little hiding place near a brook. And God says to him, sleep. And Elijah sleeps for an unknown amount of time. When he wakes up, the ravens, God sends the ravens to bring food to him. And he eats. You know what he does next? He sleeps again. And then you know what he does next? He eats. Why is this... God's not saying pray more, read the Bible more, go to church more. He's saying, you're tired. Sleep. Eat. Rest. We live in a culture that is wearing us out. There is nothing sacred. If I told you today, this is not going to happen, I'm sad to say, that I'm going to go home and nap today, you'd be like, slacker? Slacker? What kind of Christian are you? But really, can I just say to you, one of the reasons things are so messy between us is often because we're not rested. And when you're not rested, everything's a big deal. You don't see things properly. Hold up, nap, just nap. Now listen, for some of you, the takeaway in this message is this. I need to tell you this. I'm your servant, and your family has told me that you've been very crabby lately. And sometimes when you're crabby and tired, the most spiritual thing you can do, the most 
spiritual thing you can do is take a nap. The old people in the first service loved that. That was all. They were clapping. They were, because you know why? When you get older, you know you need a nap. You can take one, and you're, that's part of being a grandma and a grandpa. You're like, well, of course, duh. Only those of us who are not grandmas, do we tend to forget about that? So the C stands for? The C stands for? It's okay. The L stands for? The E stands for? The A stands for? The N stands for? And, you know, be careful with this. You could hurt somebody, all right? And I, are you worried about, uh, you know, opening an umbrella in a building? I don't believe in bad luck. I believe in Jesus. He was king of the world. All right, now watch this. Stay right here for me. The umbrella is a beautiful thing, right? <laughs> Especially yesterday. That umbrella is a beautiful thing, right? It hits you. Friends, things get messy because people say all kinds of crazy things, don't they? They'll just hurl these things at you. And, but... What I'm saying is you're going to need an umbrella because umbrellas make things bounce off. I think it was Abraham Lincoln that said, I have so many, they hated Abraham Lincoln. You need to know that. They killed him. You know, we did. That's our history. Abraham Lincoln, there's so many people so dissatisfied with me, so many people who hate me so much that if I were to take the time to answer all the criticisms, I'd have no time to be president of the United States. I'd have to answer all the criticisms. Friends, there's a place to answer criticism and there's a place to be the bigger person and to let it go. Umbrellas, say it with me. Umbrellas, you're gonna need umbrellas. You can, don't poke anybody with that, all right? Uh, umbrellas. Umbrellas, you're gonna need to let some things go. Vince Lombardi said, fatigue makes cowards of us all. So 1 Peter 4, 8 says, above all things, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sin. When's the last time you said, you know what, I love this person, I know who they are, I'm just gonna forget they said that. I'm gonna give them grace. I've been in elders meetings before where um, we were starting the meeting and some guy came in late and uh, we started right away, this guy zingered another guy across the table and I'm like a peacemaker kind of a guy so when I saw like that, I was like, dude, that was totally disproportionate and um, I'm like, I'm gonna correct him and I just had this uh, check in my soul about it. Like, you know, God's like, just wait. His way. So he zingered this guy really hard, and the guy just absorbed it. And I was like, oh, God, that bothers me so much. I want to stop this, and I want to get us right. And God's like, let it go. So we did the whole meeting. At the end of the meeting, we went to pray. You know what happened, don't you? Before we could pray, the, the brother that gave the zinger to the other brother said, before we pray, I just need to confess. I had a hard day at work. And I laid into the first person that said something I didn't agree with. She says, you all saw it, so now I'd just like to ask this brother to forgive me right now. He looks at him, will you forgive me, right? And he did, of course he did. But you know, God was like, you know, sometimes you need to answer it, sometimes you don't. Proverbs 24, listen to this. Proverbs 20, excuse me, Proverbs 26, verses four and five. Answer a fool in his folly, lest he be wise. You see somebody being foolish? Tell him, that's foolish or they'll think they're wise. You know what the next verse says? Don't answer a fool in his folly, or you'll become like him foolish. So which is it? Correct a fool or not to correct a fool? And the answer is yes. What do you mean yes? Well, it depends on the situation. That's why you're going to need to know when to answer something and when not. I see Jesus doing both. Sometimes he's actually correcting, and sometimes he doesn't say a word. You can just heap all the stuff on him, but he knows when. You're gonna have those moments that you just need to let things bounce off. One time there was this bird, and he decided he was sick and tired of flying to the south every time it got cold. So he said, I'm just gonna stay here where I like it. I know people, it's all good. But you know what happened about November in Illinois? Man, it starts to do that rain, snow, sleet thing, right? And that bird started to get really frozen. And he started to rethink his plan. He said, you know, I need to get out of here before it gets really cold. And he started to fly. He thought he might be able to get there. But the more he flew, the more the ice began to freeze on his wings. And he couldn't move his wings. And he couldn't even feel his wings. And he, he realized, I can't fly because it's, I, I left too late. And he looked down. He thought, well, I got to figure out where I'm going to crash land. And so he saw this barnyard. So he headed for that barnyard. And he flew down there. And, you know, he 
he was like he said, he just knew he was going to die because he was so cold. And when he landed, he smack dab in the barnyard, and he landed right behind a cow. And he just said to himself, well, this is what I deserve for not losing, leaving in time. And, and you know, he couldn't feel anything, and the, the impact hurt him, and he was bloodied up a little bit, and he's like, well, I'm just going to die right here. At least I'll die with my own kind. But about that time, the cow took one step backward and dropped a plop right on to the bird. And the bird said, well, this is great. Here I am dying, and now I'm going to be smothered with this. But after about five minutes, that plop, he found out, was warm. And he began to feel his wings again. And he thought, oh, my goodness, I'm not going to die. I'm actually going to live because of that plop. And he said, man, this is great news. And he began to sing because he was so happy that he wasn't going to die. And all of a sudden, a barnyard cat that hadn't heard a bird in a long time, he was like, where is that sound coming from? And he's like, he began to sneak out of the barn. He was going to where the sound was. And here it was underneath this plop. And they said, man, there must be something underneath the plop. So the barnyard cap wipes all this stuff away, and he looks at it, and he sees it's a bird. So he ate him. <laughs> there are three morals to the story. Are you ready? There are three morals to the story. The first moral is this. Not everyone who drops a plop on you is your, is your enemy. Right? Not everyone who drops a plop on you is your enemy. Number two, not everyone who wipes a plop off you is your friend. And number three, if someone drops a plop on you, keep your mouth shut. <laughs> that, my friends, is umbrellas. Umbrellas. Now the last one, and then I'm going to let you go. The last one is this. The last one, who's next? You. All right, Josh, hold it up. It's a plug-in. Let's call it prayer and power. Just say prayer. Ready? Prayer. All right, let's review. The C stands for? The L stands for? The E stands for? The A stands for? The N stands for? The U stands for? The P stands for? Prayer. And that's where we get our power. None of this is self-help. None of this is like, I'm going to go home and will myself to have a great relationship with Jesus. It's okay, I like that song. And, um, and so it's not, it's not something you can come out of yourself for. You're going to need Jesus to do this. So I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. Bow your head and close your eyes. What did you hear Jesus say to you today? I actually think the Holy Spirit speaks to us when we gather, through each other, through His Word. What did you hear Jesus say to you today? He might have nudged you a little bit. Like, hey, you need to apologize for this. Or, hey, you need to quit shutting down. You need to communicate. Hey, do you realize how much less trouble you would have with people if you'd listen? Maybe you need a nap today. What did you hear God say to you? Maybe it's possible. Like we saw in the baptism today. How cool is that? Maybe you've never received Christ as your Savior. I will tell you this. I do not know how you will ever clean up messy relationships apart from the help of God Almighty. And that starts when you receive Christ as your Savior. And then I want to tell you this, it's still messy. It is. It's always messy. But the difference between my pre-Christ life and my now with Christ life is that I have Jesus to help me. The Holy Spirit gives us power. God's Word is clear. I know what the goal is. So what did you hear God say to you today? What are you doing well in your relationships? What needs work? How are you going to go to work tomorrow? That person that drives you crazy. How could you clean up the messiest relationship in your life with God's help and power? Would you stand right now where you're at and then I'll close us in prayer. Just stand right where you're at. I'll close us. I'll pray and then um, I will say a benediction over you.
But today, around your dinner table, I'd like you to take a look at the C-L-E-A-N-U-P. Talk about which one you're doing good, which one needs work. Because we all got something we're doing right and something we need work on. Encourage you to look up the verses that we talked about and let God's word wash over you to show you how to manage and clean up messy relationships. Lord, you know every person here. You know their whole relationship situation. You know how the church works. You know that things get messy. We stand in the gap either to make it messier or to get bitter or to help clean it up. There's a lot more things involved than just what we talk about today, but God, your word covers these things. For every person in this room, Lord, who claims to follow Jesus, I pray that you'll rid them of bitterness, gossip, anger, and then replace it with love, patience, kindness, grace for themselves and grace for others. Lord, apart from you, we'll never be able to forgive others. We'll never be able to love people that are hard to love. But I want to pray that you would help us to lean so hard into you that it would empower us to clean up messy relationships for your glory. Lord, your church is a mess because we're a mess. I want to pray for every person here who's struggling in some relationship that they would dare to bring your word into their lives and let it transform them. Lord, don't ever uh, let us live under the idea that we have to be perfect because no church is, no person is. But Lord, remind us often that you love to use us in our imperfections as long as we keep submitting to you, yielding to you, and letting you fill us like we sang about the river today, the overflow that comes from your spirit in our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundant above all that we ask or think according to the power of the Holy Spirit that works in us. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you, you're dismissed.